Hello, this is the BME Grad Podcast. I'm Allie, my co-host is Brian, and on this episode, we're talking about Lean Six Sigma. You may have heard of it before. It's a methodology that was originally designed for manufacturing as a way of driving performance by delivering efficiency, reducing waste, and producing predictable, reliable results. Our expert joining us to provide an introduction to Lean Six Sigma is Kevin Grayson, who certified both Brian and I with our Lean Six Sigma green belts our last year of undergrad. Kevin is the Assistant Director of Technology Management at NC State Industry Expansion Solutions with a bunch of experience in quality and manufacturing, which he'll touch on in the episode. Brian and I got a ton of value out of our Lean Six Sigma training, and it's something I often recommend to current students that they consider when they ask about like what kind of additional experiences to pursue outside of their coursework. I also think aspects of Lean Six Sigma problem solving structures can be applied to literally any part of a business or even things in your personal life. And because it was built for manufacturing, if you've never really gotten exposure to manufacturing operations, it could help you learn some new terminology and get acquainted with some of the operational language. And for so many reasons, I'm really happy we're doing this episode. So please enjoy this introduction to Lean Six Sigma with Kevin Grayson. Hi, Kevin. Hey, thank you. good to see you again. Good to see you guys. Um, so, so for the people listening in, so we actually took Kevin's course at NC State. And I actually was, um, as I was getting ready for this uh, podcast and we were trying to think of topic points, I was thinking back to one of these like in-class uh, kind of labs that we were doing for like a gauge R&R. We were measuring washers. Uh, do you still do that? We do. Yes, we, in fact, we do. And if you remember in that same lab, we flew paper helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had like yeah. the paper clip on the bottom and we're, yeah. I got to say that was one of uh, like the first times I was um, ever really introduced to like manufacturing and just kind of process efficiencies or or uh, like the reliability and reproduci- uh, reproducibility and like, all of this stuff. So it was just really interesting. And I'm really glad to have you on, on today. Well, good. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to see you guys again. Kevin, you'll be so disappointed with me. I was just trying to ask. Um, I was like, what's R&R? <laughs> it's been a minute since I've done that. But I understand the concept, which is what counts. There you um, go. So we know you as our instructor at um, NC State, and uh, you certified us both as green belts. Did you get certified, Brian? I'm guessing you did. You passed. Yeah, so I got the plaque, the green belt plaque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a nice plaque. But anyway, so you certified <laughs> us both in Six Sigma, uh, uh, Lean Six Sigma with our green belts. But um, it would be great to know a little bit about you and, and your career background for those listening and kind of what brought you to certifying people in this. Yeah, so uh, I started, uh, you know, my background uh, education, I went to NC State and got an undergraduate in electrical engineering, also a, a, another degree in economics, um, and then um, started in manufacturing myself. Uh, right out of school in a company that made roller bearings. Uh, actually, we made cylindrical rollers. The company made roller bearings, but we just made the cylindrical rollers at my facility in North Georgia. And uh, so that that got that was my first introduction to quality, even though I was not in the quality area at that time. Quality was just getting started. I mean, at least as we know it today, or kind of it took a step, I guess. Um, our customers uh, were the big three at the time, which, you know, Ford, uh, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, which are no longer the big three. Um, uh, but those were our key customers. But Toyota was just starting to make inroads 
and our customers started to realize that uh, their, their quality, uh, specifically Toyota and Honda, was outpacing them, and they started to push their suppliers into higher quality levels. And ISO 9000 didn't exist at the time. Uh, none of these quality methods that we're talking about today, mm -hmm. Six Sigma and so forth, did not exist. And so we started mainly with SPC. And so that's where I got introduced into quality back then, even though that wasn't my primary role. So from there, I went into, uh, I moved over to another company uh, and made electric motors, AC and DC electric motors for about nine years. And my last job there was director of quality. Um, okay. And so I was responsible for the quality operations in that facility and some, and some satellite operations as well. So uh yeah, so that, that's where I got into it. But none of the things that we covered in our class, the Six Sigma, um, were available to me in there and back in my manufacturing world. It, it was still new when I came to NC State in 1998. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got introduced to Six Sigma and Lean uh, when I came to NC State. And you know, our group at um, NC State, the uh, industry expansion solutions that I work for, we go out and help manufacturers in North Carolina with these types of issues. And so I've been doing it for you know 20 some odd years now and uh, working with companies and clients on uh, helping them implement Lean and Six Sigma. So that's kind of how I got involved in it. I took the first black belt class that we taught at NC State, or at least that Dr. Godfrey taught when he came to NC State. He's at the College of Textiles. Uh, he came in 2000 and I took black belt in 2000 and uh, really didn't plan to teach it. That wasn't why I was there. I was there mainly to help our sales group um, it, be able to explain it to customers and, and clients and help them understand what it was and hopefully drive them into some of our classes, but uh, as it turned out, I got to start teaching it and uh, have been teaching it ever since and enjoy it, of course, enjoy it and really enjoyed, enjoy our class. The, the class that uh, Brian and Ali are talking about is the one I still teach uh, at uh, NC State, BME 481 is the number. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what we're going through in that class is designed for Six Sigma. And separately, sorry, quick question. Separately, does Industry Expansion Solutions certify parties outside of uh, the NC State University? Yeah, so we do classes in you know organizations, mainly manufacturers, but we have you know other organizations that come and take our course can get their green belt certification as you guys did, or they can also get black belt certification as well by coming to our classes, and we teach those. Um, in a public environment, but we also go out, you know, on the, to the sites more than that's the, what we do predominantly now is go to the company site and teach 10 people or 20 at a time or whatever in the, the lean six Sigma. Since we were talking about all these belts uh, for, for our listeners who may not know, can you help differentiate just really quickly, like between the different levels of certification or kind of skill sets? Sure, sure. This is something Motorola set up years ago, and the industry has kind of followed it. Um, the two big certifications, you know, for us and most organizations are green belts and black belts. And so for us at NC State, there's other organizations, of course, that teach green belt and black belt, and uh, courses are a little bit different and so forth, but we do it a certain way at NC State. But green belts for us is a, a 80 hour class, you know, two five uh two five day weeks of class 
um, with about three or four weeks in between those two weeks where the uh, participants can go back and start to work on their projects. Um, so the black belt takes that same material and goes two more weeks and it's a four week class. So you're, you're in class for four weeks over four months. And so you have three separate periods in between the four classes to work on your project. And we review the projects when they come back to class and, um, you know, look at that. It's, it's similar to what we do in our BME, um, except you guys, of course, make your presentation at the end of class or really at the end of the, the school year, of course, not even at the end of the class because you have a whole uh, school year to work on it. So we don't, and I'm teaching you guys every week versus, you know, you coming for 40 straight hours like our professional development people do. Right. And, and so black belt, is there, I remember like black belts having a bit more of like an advanced certification project to complete and a bit more of like a statistical component to their certification. Is, is that like the distinction between the two? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest thing is the uh, couple of things. One is the amount of time, which allows us to get into more of the statistical tools and it, uh, go a little bit deeper. So as a, for example, um, with you guys at Greenbelt level, we, we, we only do a full factorial DOE, if you remember the design of experiments and mm -hmm. in Black Belt, we could do a, two or three other types of DOEs. And so we'll get into that. The, uh, the other big thing that's different in Black Belt is we teach those uh, belts how to handle non-normal data. So in Green Belt, we make the assumption that all of our data is normal mm -hmm. and follows the normal distribution. And of course, in real, in real life, that doesn't happen all the time. And so we have to be uh, ready to handle non-normal data and, uh, and use the, the, the uh, tools that can accommodate non-normal data. So... Uh, that's the, that's probably the two biggest differences, and because we have an extra eighty hours, we can get into that depth with them. We're still following the demaic process, so the demaic process that you guys learn, you know, it's the same thing that we all follow. So, mm -hmm. so we've talked about uh, design of experiment and green belt and black belt. And we're kind of throwing out some terms, but I do want to make sure we address this for those listening that might not know. Um, it'd be great if you wouldn't mind going through, I know, I know we could kind of find this online, but it might just be helpful for this platform to know kind of what Six Sigma is and the history and what lean is and the history. Um, and then maybe how those two come together. Big question, but, uh, if you don't mind, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a long story, if you will, but I'll, I'll make it as brief as, uh, as I can. And I don't know that I know the story completely, but Six Sigma got its start at Motorola. And uh, there's an interesting part of that story. Um, Six Sigma was something that was developed at Motorola. And uh, there was a uh, documentary that came out in the early 80s, if Japan can do it, why can't we? And it was back in the days before you guys can remember where we only had three TV stations. Um, you know, you had ABC, NBC is before cable. And so uh, this was, I believe, on NBC and they ran a multi-night documentary. And so at least you know, roughly a third of the nations tuned into this. And it really was a um, uh, alarming, uh, to me, alarming uh, documentary on the quality or lack thereof in American-made products. And they went through several industries, but really focused on manufacturing manufacturing products 
and one of the poster child of uh, doing things wrong and uh, struggling and there was Motorola. And then a few years later, I think it was in 1988, they were the first, uh, one of the first three winners of the Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award. In the first year, President Reagan gave it out in the White House. And so everybody's like, how, how can Motorola be winning quality awards? We just heard about them a few years ago. They were going out of business and things. Well, Bob Galvin, the CEO at the time, uh, had really taken heart to that and really had driven Motorola into a new direction of quality. When we started, and so when you win the Baldrige Award, you open your doors and have people come in and share your journey. You don't share your technical, you know, intellectual property, but you share your quality journey. And that's kind of when we found out about Six Sigma. So they had developed Six Sigma, and and really, in in my view, Six Sigma is the scientific problem solving methodology, just renamed. Um, and in fact, if you Google the prob uh, scientific problem solving method, uh, you'll find different versions of it. There's no one version. There's a five step version. There's a seven step version. There's an eight D now, the eight disciplines. So there's different versions of the uh, scientific uh, problem solving method. But we use the one called DMAIC, define, measure, analyze, and improve control. So we use a five step process. And so they had kind of redeveloped that, renamed that. But more importantly, probably, and the reason Six Sigma has had a long, prosperous life um, compared to some of the other quality methods that didn't have such a long, uh, prosperous life, like maybe T TQM, for example, um, is they had put a, a lot of effort into the structure. And the structure is that green belt and black belts that we talked about uh, in class. And, you know, the structure of having champions and green belts and black belts. So that really uh, boosted it and made it real, if you will. Mm. So that was, I think, very important to uh, making it stick. And another thing that's unique or the way that Motorola did it, we've adopted it at NC State. And I think most companies or most organizations that teach Six Sigma do this is we put dollars to projects. So in my prior life before Six Sigma, we would make improvements about improvements we would make out in the shop manufacturing areas and sometimes beyond the manufacturing area. But we didn't really do a return on investment calculation. We didn't put dollars to them. So now that the projects have dollars, and you, you may remember that I really pushed you guys in your, your green belt projects to put dollars on your projects and your project statement and mission statements. And so um, that's one of the keys to making it stick too is these leadership, these, you know, um, leadership folks in the C-suite can start to see dollars. And so it makes it easier for them to support it. And so that was really, uh, I think, a big thing that Motorola did to make Six Sigma real and make it happen and make, and again, make it prosperous. And then Lean kind of started up about the same time. Uh, it, it got kicked off with a book, I think, with a book called uh, The Machine That Changed the World. I think that book was published in 1990. Uh, three MIT professors, I believe, toured multiple um, uh, automotive assembly, automotive manufacturing facilities, and really wrote a book about what they saw. And the, the, the summary, the uh, thumbnail summary of it, at least what I got out of it when I read it years ago, is that Toyota was doing things much, much differently than the other ones. And, and they, they visited hundreds of factories. 
And um, what they were doing really was focusing on reducing waste and in the process, and they were very uh, adamant about it. So that's kind of where lean got its start. And really, the the two methods uh, are similar in some ways, and they're very different in some ways. I think mm -hmm. the uh, similarities are, you know, we're trying to do, you know, the both of the methods are trying to help their organizations become more effective and more efficient. But the tool sets that we use in the two is, you know, very different. And um, um, so there's, to me, there's more differences and similarities, but what we're trying to achieve is similar. So the two in a lot of cases for many organizations have kind of been married together now. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we have. Tell me if I've, uh, if like my takeaways from your course and what you just said were correct. So I, I kind of saw lean as like a little bit, I mean, everything's quantitative at the end of the day, but I saw lean as a bit more of like a qualitative skill of how to evaluate where there are areas of waste and different types of tools to kind of organize and map a process, et cetera. And I saw like Demaic, and I guess we'll get into it, um, Demadvi, the, the Six Sigma processes as a little bit more of like a whole project set up with um, being completely data oriented. Um, uh, what's your takeaway on that? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I think I think your assessment's pretty pretty close. Uh, your assessment was probably influenced by me back at the class, but uh, yeah. So the lean the lean methods, um, uh, you know, are really focused about getting rid of the eight waste, the eight waste that are in all processes, including our healthcare processes, in fact. And that's one of the interesting things that Womack and Jones and Roos back in 1990 in their book, The Machine That Changed the World, they were so impressed by what they had seen in the Toyota facilities uh, as they uh, made a hypothesis that this would get into healthcare, and it has over the years. And so uh, many healthcare organizations are looking at ways to streamline and reduce waste. And so, and yeah, and so uh, back on the Six Sigma side, Ali, you're right, the, you know, we're really looking for basically data-driven decisions, making data-driven decisions. And so uh, um, since we are making data-driven decisions, we've got to do something to analyze that data. And that happens to be our statistical tools for the most part, yeah. Brian, and, do you remember uh, the eight wastes? Oh, <laughs> uh, you got to put me on the spot like that? I do not remember all the eight ways. Wait, wait, come on. We, we, you and I have to be able to come up with at least like a few. Yeah, I was great in our midterms the other night and I was struggling with one of them <laughs> myself. So don't feel bad about it. What are, what are they, Kevin? What's a couple? Well, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to get them all. But uh, <laughs> you remember we, we used a uh, uh, acronym downtime. Uh, right. and so D was defects, O is overprocessing, weight is... Um, uh, w is weight. The N was the one I was struggling with. And I think that one was non-value added processing when you're uh -huh. doing something that's not needed. Uh, the T is transportation. The I is inventory. The M is motion. And the E is uh, not using employees' knowledge. There it is. There we there go. <laughs> that, 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 you know, the, the, that little tool, that uh, acronym downtime is really helpful.
downtime. I completely forgot about that acronym. And I think that kind of speaks to different organizations doing lean a little differently. So when I was doing a little bit of process engineering, like we didn't focus on those like eight or, you know, we kind of just took like a general lean methodology. And even as I was visiting suppliers and seeing what their capabilities are, some weren't doing lean, some were, some were doing it very differently. And so my question comes to uh, kind of following up on what you said, healthcare is starting to come into it, um, but not everyone has incorporated yet there's no certifications or standards right so like um how do we get or like how do we get everyone to do so or you know what are your thoughts on just all these varying uh varying degrees of lean and six sigma well i think the two things that drive any process improvement uh broadly are money and customers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so you know uh when customers have an a bad experience um you know, with a lot of wait time. And we all see that in our everyday life. You know, um, we start to, um, we start to complain or we start to go somewhere else. And so if you're, if you're interested in keeping customers, you, you're really interested in their experience. And so, um, and then, you know, so one of the ways to enhance that experience is look at how much of the, of the time that you're with that customer, are you adding value to their experience? And so, you know, when we stand in line at Starbucks, that's uh, um, we're we're there for that cup of coffee. We're not there to stand in line, and so uh, we want to minimize that all we can. And, and that's the same in healthcare. You know, when someone comes in for outpatient surgery or whatever, they're 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 interested in the procedure that helps them get better, and um, all the check-ins and the you know the prep stuff. That's not what they're there for. Some of it's necessary. Some of it's not necessary, probably. Um, so anyway, that I think that and the money. So anytime any organization is trying to make more money, and most of the organizations we're associated with, even if it's a government, you know, not not for profit, is interested in money because that's what pays the bills and keeps the lights on. So I think those are the two things. And so as organizations are looking to uh, enhance those two things, they're going to keep looking for things like Lean and Six Sigma to make it go, make it better. So I think that makes sense to me. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to save money for your plant, you would incorporate lean. But regardless, if you're getting product out the door in a timely fashion, maybe you, you know, do you do you have that ROI to do it or not? And so maybe that's the reason that I was seeing various uh, levels of this kind of strategy incorporated in manufacturing sites. Like it's interesting to me because Lean Six Sigma, it was my first introduction to manufacturing. So I was like, this is what manufacturing is. But really when I came out into like the, the real world, it it really wasn't. There were companies doing it. There weren't. Uh, and and so like my next question kind of comes to your experience, which I think is cool of having been in manufacturing when it wasn't readily incorporated, then incorporating it, then now you're teaching it. So like, what are some differences that you saw from when you were first in manufacturing without these? Maybe you still had some quality or efficiently efficiency practices, but didn't have anything structured versus when you started practicing some of these more structured uh, strategies. Yeah, so, and, and, and you know, Lean and Six Sigma is not the only quality methods that have been developed and are used in manufacturing. Uh, ISO 9000 has been a big role, and so that's mm -hmm. a kind of, you know, quality management system uh, to mm -hmm. help us manage what we have. But back in the day before Lean and Six Sigma, you know, I think we did recognize, we, we, we had defects, of course, and we had problems and uh, scrap and things that we still have, but uh, we recognized that there were problems. We didn't have good methods to, you know, address them. So, um, you know, 
predominantly, and this is still a big tool that's used in manufacturing is inspection, you know, visual inspection or, um, you know, um, sampling and making measurements and so forth. So inspection is still a big thing that's being used, but it was kind of our mainly our go-to tool back then. And so um, an inspection is, like I say, it's still very predominantly used in manufacturing in many manufacturing operations, but we still, that process inspecting the product um, hopefully keeps the defects from going to the customer, um, but it doesn't do anything to improve the process. So you got to have some methodology to improve the process. So, you know, before Six Sigma became popular, Lean Six Sigma, you know, there was a lot of there's a lot, you know, different methods, brainstorming and, you know, trial and error. And, you know, we still did things, but mm -hmm. we didn't have the, we couldn't make data-driven decisions because mm -hmm. we either didn't have data or we didn't have good methods to analyze the data. That was probably the biggest thing is we didn't, we didn't have computers. We didn't have uh, the software that we used in, in class and stuff to analyze the data and make good data-driven decisions. That's the big step. Mm -hmm. I know we learned kind of two ways of going about Six Sigma or two kind of methodologies, um, DMAIC and DMADV. And so DMAIC was structured for improving processes and DMADV was structured for designing for Six Sigma. Um, could you talk a little bit about those, the two and the differences? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you guys were involved in this from your senior project. So you were creating a, a you know, medical device that didn't exist. So the MADV or, uh, you know, uh, that design for Six Sigma, which is our, our, our MADV is our five-step approach there. So the, the thing there is, uh, you know, trying to use that methodology to make, again, data-driven decisions to help you design your tool, your instrument, your widget, whatever it is that you're making or designing. And so um, without that, we're making decisions based on other factors, which, and, and that's not all bad. We, you know, there's other things that we, you know, there's science and uh, engineering principles that we can make decisions based upon, but we're trying to use data to drive our decisions. It's a lot of times, especially in the MADV projects or designing new products or new processes, a big chunk of the data we hope comes from customers and so we go out and do voice of the customer interviews and try to get their preferences and their needs understood and um take that data take that those inputs and drive it into data and uh into what we if you remember what we call ctqs or critical to quality factors that are going to influence our design and going to really drive the design. So that's the key there with the DMADV project. We're still making data-driven decisions, but we're doing it. The outcome is different because we're designing something that doesn't exist. We're in the DMAIC world. We're trying to improve something that does exist now. So was, is it design, measure, analyze, develop, validate? What, what am I wrong? Yeah, de define, measure, analyze, design, and verify. There we go. Okay, I was, I was, I got them almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you know uh, we just had our midterm uh, last week, and I just graded them, and a lot of people use that validate. I think actually yeah. in our uh, senior design, you guys use that term validate, and uh, but I think in most the MADV terminology, it's verify. In terms of like lean tools, if somebody wanted to 
access or like learn about some of those where could they like go and learn about like different types of lean tools that they should At use? industry what, expansion what? solutions that's what we do every day <laughs> every day we're we're out uh, helping companies with that so uh, but there's other places too the community colleges in north carolina there's lots of people that that help people with this and so we're not the only ones by far but yeah that's what we do every day um, I was working with a company just, uh, what's today? Today is Tuesday, just yesterday, and uh, over in the western part of the state on this kind of stuff. We were actually reviewing projects uh, very similar to, you know, my review of your projects. We were just doing it a little bit earlier. They're they're not at the completion stage yet, but yeah. Yeah. If, if, um, if you had to recommend, like, for somebody just kind of getting their feet wet and, like, learning about what lean is, like, two or three tools that they should Google and just learn about what they are. The most useful ones maybe you've seen come out of like lean methodology. What would you say those are? Yeah, a couple of things. One, I, I would say value stream mapping. Um, that's a big one. The 5S is a very commonly used one, but I'd be real careful about Googling tools and using tools because lean and Six Sigma is more about a methodology and a, a almost a culture, if you will, where you want to get people to, to look for ways. And so, you know, one of the things that you guys alluded to maybe earlier about the, you know, what are problems we see, and that is being tool oriented. Um, you know, we're going to do 5S everywhere. Well, maybe yeah. that's not needed, um, you know, and so um, be real careful with just finding a tool and using a tool. A lot of companies do that. And they feel like they have had success um, using tools. We've, we've, we've been doing five, you know, you hear something like we've been doing five S for six months. Okay, great. So how has your on-time delivery to your customer improved? Well, it hasn't. How has your cost improved? Well, they haven't. And, you know, how, how's, how's your scrap rate, defect rate gone down? It hasn't. Well, mm -hmm. then we probably didn't make have a success by doing five S everywhere. So we, we want to use the tools where they're, needed but with the overall impact you know we want to make an overall impact to our organization so uh, we've got to be sure that the tools are addressing key problems yeah absolutely yeah that kind of brings me to just like a little equation that i keep in my head like what is innovation it's like benefits over cost so like if it's if it costs a lot but the benefits also big then that's that's fine but if it you know, if the benefits big, but cost, it doesn't cost much. That's like huge, you know, whatever that equation. Right. So, um, it makes sense like that value added, right. You've got to make sure that you're actually getting something out of it. Yeah. Um, so, so we're talking here about how to incorporate or how to get into it. What are some tools? Um, you know, I, I also came out of process engineering where a lot of this was familiar, but I kind of made a decision for myself that I want to go into project management. Um, do you, do you kind of like, you know, from, from teaching students and from your experience, uh, is there like a, either a personality type or a student that this might not be good for, or that like, there's some people that this might not be right for? Yeah. You know, I think, um, there's still people that do not appreciate or want to make data-driven decisions. And I, and I don't think all decisions need to be data-driven decisions necessarily, but, you know, in, in, in our Six Sigma world in particular, we're making data-driven decisions. So if you don't like that, that's going to be a struggle for you for sure. You know, there, there's a clip, uh, a scene in the movie um, uh, with, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the movie's name, but we're analytics are being used in baseball. I'll think of it in a second. 
And there's the old coaches that want to go by the way the guy swings the bat and the way he holds the bat. And, you know, there's this nerdy guy that's making decisions based on data and he's winning games. And so um, if you're like the old coaches and, and in, in the movie, I, it's kind of unfair in that it kind of depicts that old people are the ones that don't like data. And I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. But, um, uh, you know, if, if you, you know, a lot of people, you know, analytics are in sports now very much so. And, I, and there's many many uh, coaches I'm sure that don't appreciate that. So if, if you're not a data-driven type person or appreciate how data can drive good decisions uh, and enjoy the analytics of it, you'll, it'll probably be a struggle for you. Yep. I'm going to make a plug though, kind of in response to your question, Brian, like I've been in mostly commercial roles, like since graduating and I have used these, um, tools and ways of thinking in in lots of ways like i think uh you know in in prepping for this episode i sent kevin a, a slideshow of a 5s project i did like within my first three months of work um in like a, in like a marketing function but um i think this is valuable for literally anyone that wants to have an efficiency productivity um continuous improvement mindset in any department so that's interesting you're saying that it's kind of like lean six sigma is more so like a mindset and these tools that you can use these data driven tools uh versus me where i guess i still just like combine it with manufacturing like oh like this is how you manufacture like i guess maybe i've maybe incorporated the two a little too closely now yeah, I mean, like the 5S tool of Lean, um, I just I just used it on a friend for helping them uh, move to sort. <laughs> <laughs> used sort, it on a friend. <laughs> yeah, sort, set in order, shine. Uh, help me out, Kevin, what's fourth something? And then sustain. Standardize. Standardize and then Yeah, sustain. very good, so, very good. Um, yes, thank you. And, and you know, I've, I've actually used that tool and tied it to a reduction in time it takes to do something because I have 5S to space. So um, yeah, that, that was great. What are other ways maybe you've seen it be used um, not in manufacturing then? So 5S is a very common tool. And so, uh, you know, it is a, uh, uh, it's, it's, you see it in healthcare a lot. You know, the, the hospitals are picking up on this a lot. And, you know, really, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know that I've ever been in an operating room when a surgery is going on, but I've always seen, you know, the, the surgeons want their instruments on the, you know, in the tray in the same order every time. Well, that's, that's 5S. And, and, and it's not, it's not because they're being particular. It's because, you know, patients' lives depend on that. They need to be, know exactly where the, the right instrument is at the right place and et cetera, et cetera. And so that is a version of 5S and uh, that really the hospitals have been using, I think for years, they just didn't think about it or consider it 5S, but there's, I'm sure there's many other places where they weren't using 5S and nurses and clinical people were searching for stuff and taking valuable, you know, they're valuable, you know, nurses, of course, and well, everybody in the hospital is a valuable resource. Anytime they're running around looking for stuff, uh, that's just wasted time. So uh, that, yeah, 5S in hospitals uh, is, is, we see that a good bit. Mm -hmm. Really this concept of bringing value and having, having value has been around forever. It's just, it wasn't standardized in like, or, or had these guidelines. So like everyone's kind of been doing it, but maybe like, 
subpar or maybe just by like intuition and kind of what everyone's been doing in the past because it still helped to um keep quality up but now this is these are just some standard and data-driven ways to to do so i guess um it's just it's interesting because i still like every example i think of is manufacturing right just because i guess that's where i've been in the past two years but it's just interesting that like your example was like at the coffee shop like you're waiting for a coffee like that's like that's waste and so like that could be more lean it's like oh yeah that is true and i agree but i've never thought of it that way yeah and you know you know so uh got to, you know, when you're standing in the line there, you got to be doing something. So watch them, watch those people making the coffee. Are they traveling? You know, how much have they got their hands on the coffee or the hands on the cup and how much of the time are they traveling? You know, so there's waste in, in their, in what they're doing. So, um, you know, once, once you're, uh, once you drink the lean six Sigma Kool-Aid, you start looking for that kind of stuff. Everywhere you go. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> That's um, right. Thanks, Kevin. I mean, so how can people get in touch with industry expansion solutions and then the course? And maybe maybe two separate recommendations for student listeners and then um, professionals that kind of want to look into industry expansion solutions. Yeah. So, you know, you guys have alluded to it uh, in some of your other podcasts. I mean, students at NC State and, and at UNC in the BME program have this course that they can take uh, their senior year. Um, and get their Six Sigma certification, get their Six Sigma Greenbelt certification, just as both of you guys did. Um, so uh, that, that's available to students. And we're probably, you know, I don't research this a lot, but we're probably not the only university that does this. But, uh, you know, with your, your projects and so forth, we've got, you know, we, we can certify our students and, and we hold you to the same, you know, uh, you got to apply it to a project. And so we wouldn't give you your certification without applying it to a project. So, uh, you know, that's the same in our professional development. Our, you know, you can find us on our website, of course, we're, we're on campus in Raleigh and we're, we're stationed out across the North Carolina as well, but our website's uh, ncsu.ies.edu. So uh, www, of course, but uh, you can find us and uh, we'll be able to help you. Even if you're not manufacturing, we go out and help organizations of all different types we do a good bit in lean healthcare. You know, we have been for some years uh, because again, hospitals have recognized this as a need and a methodology that they can implement as well. So uh, we've done a good bit in lean healthcare. We've done some lean government, um, you know, uh, organ uh, government, city governments, county governments, the permitting process is a, for example, is uh, people are complaining about how long it takes to get a permit. Of course, mm. when when that happens, uh, you know, that's kind of a lose-lose. The, the county's uh, not satisfying their customers. Uh, it delays, you know, permits cost money. So that's revenue that they can be bringing in. So there's waste in the permitting process. And we've been in to some organizations, county organizations to help streamline and uh, make the permitting process better. So there's lot, all types of organizations that are contacting us to help them. And we, we enjoy working with all of them. Great. I'll, I'll include those details in the podcast description as well. Um, but thank you for your time tonight, Kevin. I really appreciate the chat and, um, this was a nice recap for me too. Yeah, very good. It's great to see you guys. And I'm glad you're still using this. I do get contacts, you know, uh, occasionally from students, you know, wanting to advance and go to their black belt or telling me how, how, how it's helped them in their job. So that's uh, always uh, 
that's the best part of teaching is to see you guys uh, apply this in your real careers and uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the reason I keep talking about manufacturing and this is because this is kind of the reason I got into it. So I, I didn't know anything about manufacturing before. I, I kind of want to say that this class and kind of what I learned um, kind of resonated with how, how I think about things like being efficient and having good quality and things in my life. And so like when I got my first manufacturing experience and I was recognizing a lot of the things at my company of the things that you taught, I just was like kind of putting one and one together and it was really helpful. And I was doing that for two years or so. So, um, you know, thanks, thanks for the class and everything that I learned after class, uh, it really kind of shaped my career in the early bit here. Well, very good. I mean, enjoyed having you and I always learn probably much more from you guys than you do from me. So uh, it's good stuff. I'll always think about those washers for my HR examples. <laughs> yeah, we're still doing that. That's the measurement system analysis. And we did that did those a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, the MSAs. Yeah. Yeah, we have those MSAs as like uh, requirements for like our uh, at, at Striker where we work for our suppliers and stuff too. So yeah, it's, it's all there, right? Like it's all there. Yes, it is. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, guys. And thanks for listening to the BME Grad Podcast. Make sure you follow us on LinkedIn, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow our Instagram page for shorts and updates. In terms of the podcast, please make sure to subscribe or follow and leave a rating or review. The BME Grad Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Thank you.